Good evening. How's everybody doing? I did not talk with Stan today, but I, I will be uh, directly confirming, which I'm excited for. <clears throat> when my kids heard the convention was coming, they, uh, <clears throat> they were like, yeah, Dad, I really hope that you speak during convention. <laughs> More laughs from those here at home. I have a simple charge tonight, and Justin told me to give it the essence of the essence. So be encouraged with that. I don't know if that I can be as anointed as Brother Ernest Watkins, but we will try to get this to the essence of the essence. Uh, and we'll hopefully challenge and encourage you to know who you are and to give yourself fully to it. I feel that... Uh, of everything that has been uh, of great weight recently, there is a immeasurable challenge for us to actually know who we are, who we are called to be, and who we actually are. To believe that, <clears throat> and then to give yourself wholly to it. Yeah. And as we, I think Brother David said a while ago, it is not, uh, it's not extremely hard to do, it is totally impossible to do. And uh, if you consider, um, we were at a dry creek maybe a month ago, and I was just looking out there, just the, you know, the family there, which I love dearly, and um, love, uh, if I were to speak about the farm that I come from, love a lot of dear people there too, but uh, if you look at the start of this entire movement, um, if grit or commitment or uh, wholeheartedness or uh, great energy could pull this off, at any possibility, I think it would have been done by now. Uh, <clears throat> think about Colombia and any extent of the globe, the Kakata. I mean, the farther, the harder, the colder, the darker, the hotter, the whatever, right? I mean, the extents, right? I like what Brother John Vasilega said to me one time. He said, the idea was that the farther out you went and the longer you stayed, the more spiritual you were. That, I'm so glad we're done with that for just myself. I mean, I know there's some tough campers out there, but uh, I know that me and Brother Dave and Gloria would stay home for that one. So, um, and that really, you know, uh, it really happened. Um, and there was, um, if you consider the, the, the moving of the spirit to cause people, uh, we were at uh, Brother Steve Squire's memorial, and I was just listening through the stories. And once again, you get some details. We have a heritage here. We were just talking about that. If you took a scan uh, through those that have gone before, we could spend the evening on on the Jack and the Zoes and the Nyrons and the and the Burgies and the Brother Ernest Watkins and all over the people that have that just there was not a thought of what was being given up for what was going to be attained. And if you were to come into an Ellis meeting right now and you were a month away from your retirement, whatever job you may have, and say, you know what, guys, the Lord has called me to. Uh, to, to head to a totally different place. We're going to go to Australia and we're going to pack our bags. I can assure you we'd say, um, you know, we're going to think about that. We suggest you stay the last month and just, you know, kind of wrap that up. You know, are you sure this is the Lord? You know, you're going to need some provision. Just, you know, ponder on this. You know, n none of that was, it, <clears throat> it didn't come up into the consideration of what was going on. And many of you in this room that are not young people, and by young people I mean like, I'm going to say 10 to 50. 
That's, that's young people. That's, that's, you know. <coughs> Used to be, who's, who's 50 and under that are in this room? 50 and down, anybody? There's a lot of people over in this section. Yeah, so we're the young people. I mean, it, it was 40, but now it's 50. I don't know why, but that's what it is. <coughs> I read that online. It's so, and I think, you know, mature is like 50 to 75, and 75 and up is like really mature. So for all of us young people, yeah, I know, I'm, I was trying to pick a safe safe down there. For all of us young people, uh, you know, there was, no, there was no great sacrifice on my behalf coming here. It was a complete blast. We were, you know, there was, I wasn't, I wasn't a mother struggling to do laundry and a father trying to provide. Every disaster was a total, the greatest thing that ever happened. You know what I mean? Like, the boat motor broken, every, you know, the cows out. I mean, every, every hardship that now we bear and we just, Lord, please, was just, it was great. School was out, meals were messed up, the schedule was thrown out, you know, life was fantastic. The steers come across the river, they're in the garden, you know, Ben and I are herding into the turnips, you know, and letting me eat the turnips. Um, you know, boy, I'm so glad Salianca is also not a part of the kingdom. Anyway, uh, if there was a, it wasn't a real sacrifice, it was just a good time, but, uh, you know, the Lord is, uh, at every stage, he is, he is going to be getting serious in your life, <laughs> no, matter, no matter what that is. And, you know, I am so thankful for the movement of the Spirit at that time. If you consider just thousands and thousands, and we still have people networking. I was talking with Joe and Darla about people across Spain and across the Far East. Just they're, they're, are, We have family across the world, wholly given still to what is going on. And it's, it's, a, it's an internal work, as we now know. Um, but boy, we gave, we gave the external a, a great shot. I mean, I don't, you know, some of the greatest things, I mean, Dry Creek, you know, just, I mean, their stories are better than ours. They were dragging logs without even, you know, horses and stuff. I mean, just incredible. And, and, um, and uh, you know, the <clears throat> survival is not what God is after. The, you know, um, survival, people have done survival with incredible things. Um, but what God really is very serious about is he is actually, as Sam was saying, he is very serious about his life coming forth in a people. Yeah. And it is, it is worth consideration, great consideration, to take time to consider in your life, Lord, what are you doing with me this week? What are you doing in my life that, that I need to be aware of in this mad world so that I know who I am? You have got to have an awareness of who you are called to be and who you are in order to separate yourself from the, the, the madness of this world. Identity right now is, is a global just uh, you know, disease that is of immeasurable levels. You think, how can, it, how can it get more? But I read, I did a quick Google on two different places and I saw today that 1% globally of adults do not know whether they're male or female. That seems like that's, if there's a, there's, that's a lot of people, you know? And then 5% of young adults say that their gender is different from their birth gender. This is, this is just waking up to decide who you want to be. That is entirely opposite from the God that we have, that, that from the beginning says, this is what I want you to be. And now we're going to have a lifetime of discovery where you come around to realize that, you know what, no matter what happens, if you're going to work with me, you're going to come to an awareness that... You're going to get where I'm going to take you. I mean, that, that is an exciting thing. If you were to talk to Jonah, you know, I don't, um, 
we've talked about him a lot, and I have a lot of compassion for the guy. Um, but you know, how much free will is included in this in this call? Because when the Lord gets his hook in you, you know, you can you can yield to that hook, or you can just you can be a fighter. And you know, it's when you're fishing, a fighting fish is a lot of fun. But you know, if you're going to be a fighter. The Lord's still going to flop you into that boat at some point, and you're just going to kind of be more beat up than you need to be, you know? And if you were just, you know, I don't know what Jonah, you know, it's, it's, if you look at the plot of the things he says, it's like Jonah is really aware, but I mean, it seems to me that the Lord allowed free will, you know? He got on a, he got on a boat that was going another direction, the Lord didn't stop him, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't come and drop him off the gangplank or anything like that, he got on the boat, and he sailed, and, you know, we're taking a different direction. And then, you know, God has a, a little bit of an advantage. You know, he throws up a storm into the situation. Everybody's, you know, and, and uh, that's a little unfair. Um, you know, is it still free will? Well, I don't know how serious is God about getting a hold of you. You know what I mean? Like, I think I'll sit down here. I don't know what Jonah was thinking. I think I'll just wait this one out, you know. And then they start throwing stuff over, you know, and that's getting pretty bad. You know, I, I don't know what level, you know, I think, you know, maybe I should say something. No, I think I'll wait a little while. You know what I mean? Like, what, you know, what, this guy, you know, these are some seasoned fishermen, you know, and they start, you know, and, I mean, I don't know this guy. Finally, he's like, well, maybe I'll go up to the meeting, you know, and, and just kind of see what's going on. Stuff's sloshing around. You're like, no, we're not going to say something. Let's draw straws. That's a good idea. Let's draw straws. You know, maybe let's just see if I can get by with this one. Oh, I got the show. Amazing. I got the short straw. You know, like, you're dealing with the Lord. This is, if, if God is going to take you where you're going, uh, as Sam said, if he's going to put substance in you, um, you can take the long road or you can take a shorter road. I'm going to say it a few different ways, but I'm here to encourage you to take a more direct route towards who you are called to be. I've taken some long roads before. Those were not very fun. I've taken some other roads where I realized, ah, I, I see the Lord. This is coming back around again. I'd like to get the lesson a little bit more than 10 times. I'd like the Lord to do this sooner than that. Okay, I see where you're going, Lord. And there is, there is, a, there has got to be an awakening to the fact that we have a God who intends to change us. That should be exciting. We have a God who intends to change us, and there is no change that is possible by any human grit or performance. It would have happened. I didn't fight my way down the cockatoo and do all those things. I was up here as a kid having a good time. We've made a lot of sacrifices, but change, change is only going to come by the work of the Holy Spirit and us identifying, considering, Lord, this is the work that you're actually doing in my life. <clears throat> there is, uh, turn, to, turn to Romans 12, we know this, but I just want to look at this. There is so much study about the mind and, uh, and what can be done by the mind. And I was reading, a, there's a neuroscientist, Andrew Huberman, who says uh, there's a new thing called Yoga Nidra, and I had never heard of that, so I started researching it the other night, but... The practice is to, uh, to basically, it's, it's different than just regular yoga, but you're, you're learning to shut off your thoughts by, through, through a deep state of a body scan, learning to just shut your mind off and think about nothing, just peace, because the world needs peace right now. It's such a big thing. So I was reading this at my desk, and I just attempted to think. I did a body scan. To think about nothing. I challenge you to think about nothing. It was a lot of work to think about nothing. It was more stressful than thinking about something, actually. So I, quit. I failed my first class at Yoga Nidra. But apparently, uh, that, that works for a lot of people. Um, and, and you know this here. This is Romans 12, 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And 
renewing of your mind isn't, uh, there is actually a lot of incredible science about choosing to think differently. Um, and really that just goes to support what the Lord is after. Uh, where my own mind can take me is not going to take me where I need to go. No matter how disciplined or how good it is, that's not what he's after. He's after a new mind. He's after a change. I mean, this is the thing that, that we have got to understand is that he actually, we have a God who intends to take the likes of you and, and me, why not us, and change us into beings that are emanating the life of Christ. That's a lot to think about. I mean, and we have to give that uh, consideration. Um, but there has to be a growing thankfulness. Um, there has to be thought about that. You know, if I'm bidding a job, and I'm just at my desk, whatever, maybe we're going to build something. It doesn't even, we might not know the layout of where it's going to be or all that. We have a set of plans. We do this. I, you know, you're walking through the job in your mind. I'm not an amazing cook, but I imagine ladies are walking through. Teachers are certainly walking through. But, you know, I have to, I have to build that job in my mind if I have any chance of actually... Uh, you know, going, and this as you can see, it says, you know, walk all around her, you know what I mean? Go through her palaces. The Lord is wanting us to give thought, to give consideration, to give credence, to give our time, to, to giving weight to what He is doing in our lives. And, and that must take precedence over the world that we're in. I've said this a hundred times, but the, the quiet voice of the Lord is competing in a... In a uh, in a world of, of everything that can come your way, we all know this, young and old, that is just anything you can imagine can be in your hands, just, just to take your focus, good or bad. I, I tell Megan this all the time. I'll quiet myself for prayer, and I'm telling you five things that I need to email people about come boiling to the surface, you know, and it's like, it is a challenge to quiet myself. Lord, what, what is actually, what is it that you have for me today that I can't, miss, I can't afford to miss out on? That is what's critical in your life. It is critical to not miss out on what the Lord is after. His intention is actually to change you. And if you give proper consideration to uh, the fact that the Lord is, is changing, I think it was Brother John that said, another definition for Christ has changed. Is that you, Brother John? Somebody said that a little while ago. And I've just been thinking about that because there's no... There's no allowance for status quo to remain if we are to move on into who the Lord calls us to be. Change must happen. And I will tell you that if you're like me, you've done a hundred things to sit down and consider every method of, of changing a habit you don't like in your life or changing a response in your life. I, uh, I found myself asking the Lord for a situation that, that, uh, that I've been burdened about for a while, coming home from work today, and I was the only one in my truck, thankfully. But in the middle of the Delta, I suddenly just shout out, Help me, Lord. Just, just like, I like tried every other thing. You know, like I've done a lot of mental, and I'm just, we're down to this. We're down to the last resort. Help me, Lord. You know what I mean? Like, we're down, we're down to this is what it's going to take. And um, if you turn to Galatians 1, uh, there's, Paul has some amazing things. Um, if you've noticed, the Lord deals with some, some very stubborn people. And thankfully for me, I'm not one of those guys, uh, but he does. He does deal with some stubborn people, and um, the Greenies are not known for that, thankfully. Um, but in Galatians 1, my wife can confirm this afterwards. I like the way that Paul says this here, we know this. I want to start in verse uh, 
verse 10. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I was persecuted by the church and God and wasted it, and profited the Jews' religion above my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. And I'm going to keep jumping down here in verse 15. This is just great. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, Here's what he did. I immediately conferred not with flesh and blood. I'm thankful for that last line because not all of us get knocked off our horse like Paul did. He, you know, I mean, Saul was running entirely the opposite direction of what the Lord called him to be. You know, how did this go? It, it wasn't because of his uh, commitment to the work of the Lord that he was called. To, you know, I mean, given consideration of what he'd been doing, it wasn't, you know, but... Conferring with flesh and blood, that is, not, that is not a good plan for consideration of the change that is required inside. Because if you want to give time and weight to reflecting on yourself and your capabilities, you will find nothing but a great void of, of ability to move forward in any one of these things. I mean, maybe it takes you longer, maybe you're skilled, maybe you're more disciplined. But when I confer with flesh and blood, I don't get any sort of encouragement to be moving, as Brother John said, in the land of faith. I'm just looking at what actually is. It's like, this is the example we have left before us. And you know, you have to look, Sam mentioned Rahab, you know, you look at Gideon, you know, we have a God who is in the business of speaking what is not as though it were. And I'm really thankful for that, because just about every morning I need the mercy of the Lord to speak into my life things that are not as though they were. I mean, what was going on with Rahab? You know, what, when she's listening to the stories, there's one lady in the whole town that is thinking something a little different than everybody else. You know, everybody's like, this doesn't sound good. Sounds like they're knocking people over. We better make the wall stronger. There's one lady's like, it sounds like we've run into something a little different than I'm used to. Maybe I should fear the Lord. And, and the harlot suddenly is in the line of Jesus. I mean, you know, Gideon is hiding around the corner and, and the Lord comes and says, what, thou mighty man of valor, you know, yeah, yeah, that's me, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I think, uh, I think I was, I mean, how does this compute in consideration, you know, he, it wasn't as though he's like, you know, I see where you're going with this, I think I'm the man for the job, you know, I think, uh, I think I've been thinking about a few things, and if you, if you happen to have a few pitchers and torches around, I have an idea to scare the Midianites out of the land, I think we got it. No, these are people that have no capacity, no capacity to to do the work that God has purposed in their heart. But what is of every assurance is the fact that you and me, no matter how young you are, have at work within you every availability to the Spirit of God when you just reach out to Him to, to say, Lord, I don't, maybe I can't even ask the right way, but I'm going to continue to ask you for help for this thing, for this situation, because I know that you're going to hold my hand and take me there. There can't be... A, a retiring of this. And it, there, we don't need to turn here, but we know the, the, uh, the story here in Exodus 21. It says, If thou bind Hebrew servant, in six years he shall serve thee, and the seventh he shall go out for free. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. And if he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master hath given him a wife, and she hath borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly say, I love my master, 
my wife and my children, I will not go out free. I love that. You know what? Pierce my ear to the door. I see that there's, there's more to what you are offering me than I could possibly be doing with my own life. I see that the, that the importance of the work that is going on in my life is so much greater. And, and so, you know what? The free choice that I have to go do whatever I want. You're at liberty. We're all at liberty. Whatever. Actually, boil down to it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude that the Lord knows better for my life than I know for myself. You know what? I'm going to conclude that there's more fulfillment. There's more purpose. There's more of everything that's going to take me to where I'm called to be. Lord, I'm not actually going to, you know, pierce my ear to the door. This is, this, this is a critical turn. I, I love that statement. And in, uh, in Proverbs, I will tell you a short story just to keep you awake, but I'm going to turn to Proverbs first um, because there is a passage here in Proverbs 8 uh, that, is, that is fantastic um, that talks about wisdom. And I think that we've all, this has been covered in the few, last few years a couple of times. And I can't seem to get away from it, but if you think of the work of Christ in terms of wisdom here, you can start to see what, um, what the writer was discussing. And it says, I, wisdom, again, consider Christ. This is Proverbs 8, 12. Dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. Boy, do we need sound wisdom. And then understanding. Lord, without understanding, I am lost. I have strength. By me, kings reign. This is wisdom. This is Christ. And princes decree. Jump down to 19. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those who love me to inherit substance, and I will fill the treasuries. That's a great promise. This is the substance that Sam is talking about. You know, judgment, growing up, was a, a negative word to me. Just like, it was the gavel like that had one answer, like, bang, you're going to the gallows. But that actually, if you look at what the Lord means by judgment, He says, draw near for judgment. He, over and over and over again, it says, come to me for judgment. Judgment is having the understanding to separate what needs to remain and what needs to go. Because if you don't have that understanding in your life, you are completely in trouble. We need that judgment. And that judgment is an understanding that the life of Christ reveals to us. Lord, what is the understanding you want to have for me today? And down in 31 it says, O children, O ye children, blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me daily watching at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. And here it is. For whoso findeth me findeth life. There is no life to be found outside of this work with the Holy Spirit. There is grit, there is perseverance, there's a lot of things, but there must truly be a great consideration given to who the Lord says you are. And you have to start seeing that, or we're not going to get there. There has to be a, a, a working through, as John said, this operation of faith. There has to be a stepping into that. I've been thinking about this, this performance and the impossibility of, of performing this. And as we know, the, the whole... The whole theme of, of the word in the last few years is, uh, Ben and I were talking about this today, you know, if I would have woken up in an opening, I would have wondered if everybody was doing okay. Because liberty and, and us being at liberty and understanding the mercy of God has, has been the theme. And um, 
Understanding what the mercy of the Lord is doing, I think is very important. Because the way that the mercy of the Lord comes to us can look very different than what we consider mercy to be. The mercy of the Lord was working on Jonah in the boat to take him where he needed to go. You know, the mercy of the Lord is, is Nathan showing up to David to say, you're the man. You know, the mercy of the Lord stops us in our tracks in tough situations. <clears throat> and uh, I've been reading, um, this is something I think pretty much everybody knows, a guy by the name of Louis Zemperini. He was an incredible guy, um, but uh, an astounding story. And Laura Hildebrand wrote about him. He was an uh, Olympic runner and an incredible survivor of uh, 26 months of the most incredible torture in POW camps in World War II. And uh, Laura Hildebrand wrote a book, uh, you know, no one could believe what he came through in, in the POW camp, which we'll talk a little bit about. But, and and the, the book is called Unbroken. Um, and it's a very uh, interesting title for the purpose of the story. Furthermore, they did a movie about it, and the movie stopped right where uh, the whole purpose of what, if you listen to his testimony, if you actually get, you can go watch Louis Zimperini speak. Um, the end of his life is where all the purpose comes into being, and that was completely left out of the movie. It was a movie on the survival of the human spirit. Um, and so, hence the name, Unbroken. And as you'll see, my point is going to be about being broken. Um, but uh, briefly, Louis Zimperini was a total, uh, you know, came from an Italian that was just uh, a family that was a mess in California, breaking into things, running from the cops. They, they, you know, he was 10 years old, they brought him to prison, a guard that really liked him, stood him in front of the bars and said, you know, if you keep this up, you're going to be on the other side of these bars. And, and um, so his brother got him into running just to keep him out of trouble. And, and, um, and he started running uh, quite quickly, actually. Um, he, he said that the first race he did, that the girls in the school were cheering him on, and it changed his life for forever. So the Lord uses interesting things, but he stopped stealing from people and running and turning into running. And, uh, actually, quite a runner. He ran a 408, which is, I don't know if anybody in here has run a 408. That's close. Yeah, I mean, Kate and I got close when you were going after Moose in the Bog. I think it was 410. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no one was recording, but it's hard to run the Bog, especially when you have your guns. It might have been 410. That's pretty fast. Um, so, uh, incredibly fast runner. But got assigned to a B-52 bomber, and they, uh, they took on... Um, they got basically shot down, 600 shells to the plane, a couple of the guys got killed, and they were just right away reassigned to another plane, as happened back then, people were pretty dispensable, called the Green uh, Hornet, uh, which had uh, multiple records of mechanical issues. Uh, they were still sent up to, uh, to attack the enemy. They were, they were shot down, and out of 11 guys, he and the pilot and one gunner uh, came up uh, out of the ocean, and then 47 days, some of you probably know the story. Incredible survival at sea. Just, they're talking about, I'm going to be comparing the, the human will to, to purpose. This is where I'm going with this. But I mean, astounding. I mean, I've been lost for a couple hours out in the woods. I haven't done 47 days in Iraq, but it was rough. I mean, 47 days in the ocean, you know, and they did, they had one bag that had three chocolates, and the, and the one guy was freaking out that they were all going to die, the, the, the pilot, right away, and during the night ate all the chocolates. Like Louis Zimperini laid out a plan for the water and the chocolates. And then, you know, Fred eats the chocolate night number one. Not a good start to a 47-day trip. Anyway, um, and I, for all your chocolate lovers, no condemnation. I get it. I get it. There was no good chocolate at our house, so don't come over to our house. It's a statement for me and Joe tonight. Um, so, anyway, uh, he, he prayed. This is what I want to tell you. That he prayed over and over and over in this raft. God, if you save me, if you save me, which has a very vivid when you're floating in the ocean, I will serve you for the rest of my life. The Lord was listening <laughs> to 
that prayer. So 2,000 miles later, he comes ashore the Marshall Islands, thankfully rescued right, and is captured by the welcoming Japanese who uh, take him straightway and begin. These guys were like given injection experiments. Um, they were fed to get him back on their feet for a minute, given injection experiments, and then sent off to, uh, you know, basically torture camp. And a man, uh, Colonel Watanabe, found out that he was an Olympic runner and decided to make it his mission to just literally torture this man every single day. Um, just, just breaking him down. That's why it's called unbroken. But just, and he refused to give in to this guy. It was just, this is the mind game that, that our human nature can endure quite a bit. If you know what I mean, we can survive quite a bit before waking up to what God wants to do with us. Anyway, he is, he is just over and over and over again. This guy, it made it his mission to just break him down. And about a year into this, one of the things I think would have been the worst thing is they, they're not breaking him down, so they decide to take him into town and put him up in a really nice hotel and get him a broadcast on the radio. If you can imagine, just coming out of just malnutrition, rice with, with bugs, and coming into the, and they get him on the radio, he says, you know what, you can tell your family you're alive. Good deal. So he gets on the radio, lets everybody know he's home, and has, you know, they take him to a great restaurant. And he actually refused, he realizes that the mind game is starting right here. He realizes what they're about to do with him. So he, he actually pushes part of this meal away. And they come back the next morning, and of course, he just, he's sleeping well. No one's waking him up to beat on him. And, and the psychological mind game of this is just astounding. And they say, we want you to read one page. Every day we're going to give you something, and you can just stay here. You literally don't need, you know, you can stay here for the rest of the war. And he, he you know, it's propaganda just, just about the United States. And he refused to read this and went back to prison, which to me was one of the hardest decisions you know, chose to go back to this prison with his men. Anyway, 26 months of this, incredible things. They, they, they found him stealing bread one time and made all the American guys line up and punch him in the face. He had said 262-something. It, it's just incredible. Just just totally broken. And he comes through this. There's things that I won't even describe that are just awful that happened to him. But he survived. And the war ended, and he was brought back to America and welcomed with a hero's welcome, and they gave him his, you know, he, they, they, they had given him his, I think, life insurance because they thought he was dead, so that he got to get that back. Um, he was given his, his wages for the thing. And then nightmares about where, what had happened to him began to take place. And here's where we actually realize how God is going to get his man. It's like all of, you'd think that all of this was enough to get his man, but the fact is, at this point, Louis Zamperini still was unbroken. He, he didn't... He, this is... Strength and performance of will had gotten this far. And he starts having nightmares, and he starts planning to go back to, to, and I totally can get this, but he starts very carefully crafting a plan to go get the bird. And I would have been, we're going to get the bird, right? We're with you, buddy. This is not, you know, it's not okay. And, and you know what the Lord sent him? The Lord sent him a faithful wife. How many men are thankful for a faithful wife? And she uh, started realizing that he was going off the trail I won't ask that question again because I just saw some, <laughs> some things going on. Um, <laughs> the ladies missed a good opportunity to jump up there. Um, it is good to have someone to speak into your life. That's, that's the responsibility. Take it easy, babe. Um, so the uh, <coughs> careful. So he is tortured by these. He, he cannot get away from these nightmares. And you know, you can consider for yourself what. Uh, what repeating, unsolvable, you know, whatever it is, responses, habits, the differential of character between where we are to be and where we actually find ourselves and our human nature is a vast, there's no fixing of, of who we are in our nature. It's, it's horrible, you know, but the Lord says, 
I can actually take that and I can change you. That to me is an amazing, amazing consideration. We have a God that says, I can take you and change you. It's just an astounding thought. You don't want to quit the course before it's done. So, so he, um, his, he, his wife, it goes worse and worse. And she sees what he's planning and he's drinking and he's just totally, he has a little girl that cheers him up for a little bit, a daughter. And his wife is staying with him, staying with him. And, and finally, he, you know, it, it gets to the point where she finally files for divorce, does not tell him. But uh, Billy Graham comes to town, unbeknownst to them, comes to town and she hears about this. And she goes to a, she goes to a meeting. And she comes back she says, Louie, you've got to come with me. No way, no how. So she comes back and she says, Louie, and I've got to read you what he says. She says, you've got to come with me to a meeting. So he finally agrees to go to this revival. And the minute that he sees that Billy Graham is starting to make a call, he runs out the door and heads home. Session over. His wife, not quitting on him, comes back and says the next day, why don't you come with me with more service? And he says to her, this is, this is great. I got under conviction and I got mad because the scriptures that he read. And I grabbed my wife and I said, let's get out of here. Don't ever bring me back to that place again. But the next day, she persuaded me to go back. And I said, okay, I'll go in under one condition. The moment this fellow says, every head bowed and every eyes closed, I'm getting out. <laughs> I love that. This is his plan. As you probably know, uh, he turns to leave the second night, and the Lord literally, uh, you know, doesn't let him get out of the tent. And he turns around, and that night, his everything that had plagued him, cessation of all those things. It's like the process of God. How gracious is God? What what does that mean? What form does the mercy of God come to you in your life? Does it look like what the word mercy sounds like? Because nightmares and threats and losing your family and uh, torment. That doesn't sound like mercy, but the fact is he had gone through all the previous things and hadn't got the message, but God was loving enough and God was still sure enough of who he had called him to be that he's going to send another thing around to get his attention, to wake him up to who he is called to be. Aren't you thankful for the things in your life that the Lord has awakened you with to who you are called to be. I can tell you young people, it's better to wake up sooner than later. Yeah. What is it going to take? I don't know. But I look at the things in my life, I'm thankful for every time that I stopped and paused and said, Lord, okay, you know you're after me. I'm gonna, it's not just my parent. It's not just my teacher. All of us older, younger people, Lord, I get, I get what's been going on here because these patterns, these habits, these responses, they're not changing on their own. I'm not just growing out of these things to be Superman. You know what? The nature is there. Just it's, you know, I found the things I like, I still like just the same. I've never been unhappy with someone giving me food I like. But I'm dealing with a God who is going to present me with a different sort of mercy, who is going to present me with a calling and a direction that is not in line with what I would personally choose. Because he's very, very serious about getting his man. That's what I mean. Psalm 139. We're going to close here. This is just, this is just great. We know this. I'm going to actually read one part of one last thing after Psalm 139. But the point of this is to give consideration. Take time. Take Give, give purpose, give intention. There are so many things in this world clamoring for attention. I know the things for me that I do not make forward progress on until I give attention to what they are. And thank the Lord that He comes. 
over and over again to call me to call me higher to say, Gabe, you know what? I'm going to remind you again today. This is not okay because this is who you're called to be. There's going to be a people on the earth that are going to be somehow, in some way, changed from who they are into who the Lord's called them to be. Why not be part of that people? It's going to be somebody. I want to be that part of that people. It says in Psalm 139, 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from me. I think John said last night that the grace of the Lord looked ahead through time, and there isn't anything you can think of. I'm paraphrasing, but you said there isn't anything you can think of to do that the grace of the Lord isn't prepared to handle. Is that is something along those lines? I think I didn't do it right. But it's, that's the idea. The, the idea is that you can't think of anything that the Lord hasn't already known is going to take place. Yeah. You, can't, you can't consider a plan to throw yourself off the trail far enough that God cannot reach you. And, and uh, as David said, you know, if from thence, wherever you're at, all that matters is coming to grips right there with the fact that God is working on your heart. Lord, I want to know who I am. I want to, I want to give myself fully to it. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, and this is so good, yet being imperfect, you don't say, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Looking ahead to see where he's taking us, and so we have the, the patience of the Lord to just keep giving us new mercies every morning, to draw us back to what he's doing. How precious also are they thoughts unto me, O God? How great is the sum of them? It is impossible to, to grasp the, the seriousness. Whatever thing you're excited about, whatever you know, purpose you have, and, and, and as we've said a lot of things, the Lord gives us things to do that we have to be involved in, that we have to get our hands dirty in doing. And we have young people here taking, taking part of things that they're taking responsibility in that I, that I love. But there's no way to stop and measure our our past performance uh, in any way, our grit, our resolve to, to get us home. Uh, what, what matters is that we, we wake up to what he is doing. And you don't need to turn here, but in Isaiah 30 it says, and we've heard this this year and it keeps coming back to me, therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment, blessed are all they that wait upon him. I don't know what, I don't know what uh, besetting issues may be in your life. I know what are in mine. I know the impossibilities. I know how many hundreds of times I've resolved to change something and have completely failed no matter how much I've tried. But I also know with that that somehow uh, every morning, uh, I am met with a God that has not just a generic mercy, but he has a specific mercy for my life that he is going to remain at work to accomplish in this vessel what he is after. And there is a way to do things that are not possible. Louis Zamperini spent the rest of his life, he traveled back to Japan. He went to the prison where all these guys were held and he went and forgave them, each one of them. It's amazing. Totally impossible. You can't rack up enough human compassion to do that. It's called being a changed man. Once this, this, you know, it's like they said of Saul, there's a, there's a new spirit on him. But we do have a God that is very, very serious about putting this in our heart. 
I talked with someone last night that was, uh, I haven't seen in a while, but was such a bright countenance that has been through some really tough times. And I just went home thinking, man, uh, when you see someone that has changed, it is just amazing to consider, how did this happen? I just, you know what? I wasn't around for it. I wasn't doing anything about it. The Lord was on page at work. He's at work when you're resting. There's never, he's never off duty, and I'm so thankful for that. I, I pray for my kids, all those things, we're going to stay engaged, but there's only one that is never sleeping, that is guarding the city, that is constantly at work to change us. And there is no way, if you can hold on to his hand, there is no way, if you can give, if you and me can give consideration to the weight of this calling, to realize that the Lord is going to bring forth the life of Christ in some people, not a human performance, uh, there's a way to make it there. Don't quit on the mercy of the Lord that is at work in your life. Give great consideration to what it's doing because he intends to change us. Amen? Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. The Bible says a lot of good things. One thing it says is, uh, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. And, um, we've taken a little bit of time over the years to figure out what that confidence was. Because we had to lose one, but I think it's come into focus really. Our confidence is not in our commitment or our sacrifice or our ability to be the spiritual being. God called us to be, but actually our confidence is in God's commitment to His eternal purpose. And, and because of God's commitment, I love the story that Sam um, mentioned. He didn't read the, the great part. I wish you would have seen that. Um, when Hezekiah is in trouble and he said, you know, we've come to the point of, we know there's a seed here, but we can't bring it forth. Uh, maybe a few of us have considered that. Um, but you got to finish the chapter. It's, in a, it's 2 Kings 19, but it's also in Isaiah 37. Because they go to bed with that prayer, right? And uh, while they're sleeping, God sends, he, he was short on angels, apparently. He only sent one. Uh, and he destroyed 185,000 enemies and I thought that's pretty good you and I look at our unbelief we see ourselves we see this, we see that and it seems like a whole army of difficulty and uh, make your request known to God. Pour out your heart before Him. Say, Lord, here I am again. I should be further along. You don't know where you should be. You gotta say, God, my confidence is in you. You're committed to what your purpose is. So they woke up and it was full of dead corpses. I love that story. One of my favorites. So God help us tonight that we'd understand that God is fully committed to what He's promised. You know, the great scripture with uh, Mary is 
in Luke 1.45, it's not just a promise, Mary. There will be a performance of what God has promised. Okay, well, thank you, Lord, for who you are and the kind of God you are.